Welcome to the Building Community Podcast, a show for thought leaders like you. You know that success depends on relationships between your organization and the people in and around it. This season will focus on insider insights, where experts will let you in on their best practices in a specific area of community building. Together, we shine the light on how community helps you reach your corporate goals. I'm your host, Simona Pacha, and I've been empowering organizations for a decade and a half doing exactly that. Ready for it? Listen in as we set out to make communities thrive. We never know where that's going to go. Try to be deliberate. Try to be mindful. This is Jared Narlock as he speaks about how today's leaders can best engage their teams. Jared is a leadership development speaker and coach. He advises organizations on purposeful leadership so they can build trust with their teams as a foundation for community. In this episode, Jared shares how to put people first and why that approach is important for today's leaders if they want to facilitate a people-first framework in their organization. Interested in Jared and his work? Find out more in the show notes. We know that our employees are disengaged, today more so than they've ever been. The relationship that our people have at work has suffered and employee turnover, as we're seeing in the news every day and as we're seeing when we're talking to organizations, it's immense. More and more people have gone remote and with that, the need for community is now more evident than ever. And we'll jump right into this episode. Today, we'll look at the role that leadership and employee relations have when it comes to our corporate successes and failures today and how community is a big part of that. Welcome to the show, Jared. Hi, Simone. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Organizational development, Jared, it's a buzzword today, especially when it comes to increasing productivity and also efficiency across organizations of all types and shapes. Tell me about the biggest challenges that organizations face today and what organizational development means with regard to these challenges. When it comes to what organizations are facing, a lot, a lot is occurring. And now with the different pieces that the pandemic has brought forward, it's really one of those areas where sometimes people think, oh, you know, is there a magic pill that can solve this? But what it comes down to is relationships and building community. What organizations are currently facing are employees who are looking for a sense of belonging. And because there's so much being asked for, it's sometimes hard to find that. And organizations like Gallup, who are finding through employee engagement surveys that we're at an all-time low of engagement, but really what I look at it as an all-time low of a a focus on how do we create that community and sense of belonging, because it was there in different ways. And now with remote work, with different structures in the way that we're set up, it's hard to see that happen in an organic way like it used to. And it's more of a deliberate approach. And we have people that still want it. People want that sense of belonging, that sense of community, that interaction with their fellow team members at work, having those friends at work. But it takes a deliberate effort. When people ask, what do you do in organizational development? It's really working with an organization, a team, a service line, a department, an individual on what's important to them in the workplace and their growth and development. And sometimes that means how they develop relationships. Sometimes that means their professional development towards their goals. And it can mean a wide array of things. But with it all, it's a strategy. It's a strategy that connects to people first. And from there, how those people can impact the processes in the organization. 
we have the opportunity to look into new approaches of leadership, to deliberately take action and find out what it is that our team members want, what is going to make them more productive, what is going to help them be their best selves to feel, like you said, the sense of belonging, to feel at home in that environment that we create as organization for them. Yes, so true. That sense of, of belonging and that we create. I love that you said that because that is often one of those pieces that sometimes when I'm working with leaders and they're sharing engagements at a low, I can feel it, I see it. And so I'll politely challenge them and say, okay, what would great look like for your team right now in your control? And how could you partner with them? And let's really take a step back and look at this from a strategy standpoint, because so many leaders are seeing it as a day-to-day, I've just got to get through the day and not an actual strategy. And remembering that I can be authentic, I can be humanistic, I can talk with my team members about my concerns, about their concerns, and figure out how we collaboratively get through this together and not just get through it, but thrive. And that's such a key piece that we create. I really appreciate you saying that because often people step into this mentality of learned helplessness. Oh, I can't do that because someone told me I can't do that. But the reality is, have a conversation, see where that goes, that curiosity, and then have grace with yourself. You may have some missteps along the way. It's a learning process. But when you're doing that, people see that, they see the vulnerability, they see the humanism, and we create something special together as we continue to work towards that. People that hear you talk now, they may say, okay, this learned helplessness. We see that a lot in kind of middle management. And these efforts that we're talking about are clearly a leadership matter. These efforts need to trickle from top down to the bottom. And middle management oftentimes just throws up their arms and says, look, I can't really do anything at my level about this. I can talk to my individual team members. I can work with them one-on-one. But if the framework around me doesn't fit, what can I do? So tell me a little bit about who owns this strategy, who owns initiating these efforts throughout the entire organization. Yeah, that is a great question. And it's a collaborative effort. As you put so well, middle managers oftentimes are seen as the group that either helps the organization thrive, especially from an engagement standpoint, or they bring them down. And we hear a term sometimes called managing up. Let's manage up. And I'm going to manage up here, manage up here. And where I've seen at an individual level, regardless of where the organization is at, middle managers thrive are those that realize, okay, I have an impact. And are there conversations that I need to have that I'm not having with my direct reports? Can I impact that? Are there conversations that I need to have with my upstream, downstream departments with my employees? And so often, because that's not something that's taught. When you look at the traditional leadership programs, we hear organizational savvy. And sometimes leaders will say, is is that politics, office politics? No, that's really having strategy and thinking, What are the conversations that I'm having? What are the conversations that I'm not having that I should be? And how is this also connected to metrics? And when we hear that term metrics, that's sometimes a turnoff because people are saying, oh, that's taking away from the people. But the reality is there are metrics around people to really look and say, hey, are we giving the opportunities? And so those middle managers have that ability to make that impact, but it takes time and it takes partnership across the board. And what I hear you say is that if you purposely want to work with your teams, communication is key, transparency is key, and actually supporting them in what really is a challenge and issue to them and metrics around people. 
what other examples could there be? Could it be things like sick leave or how often do people hit their deadlines? What are some metrics? Great question. And, and that's where I've seen organizations thrive, the ones that truly have those people-focused metrics, along with the other more traditional business metrics. And it's hard sometimes to get them started because we don't necessarily have a baseline where we mine in some other areas. And I always say, okay, experiment, experiment. And so some that are usually readily available, like you mentioned, the sick leave, is that going up? That's a sign of disengagement when people are taking more and more time off, you know, trends happening across the board. And then overall retention, first year retention. What does that look like from a cultural standpoint? And then taking it to the individual and looking and saying, one of the biggest pieces, there was new data from 2022, a study that was done. And it was also in alignment with what Gallup has found from an engagement standpoint. But the leading factor of people leaving organizations is growth and development. And so they're not seeing that. And it's one of those pieces that isn't really measured. There is so often the performance management model, right? And we look and we say, oh, we know that it's not an annual process. It shouldn't be a one-time-a-year conversation. It should be an ongoing. But how are we also measuring it to look and say, in part of the check-in process, finding who really does have a deliberate growth plan? And is it meaningful to them? Is it purposeful to them? How does it connect to the organizational strategy? Is it something that we handed them? Or is it something that we created with them that they're excited about? How does it connect to their purpose? And sometimes when it comes to people metrics, it may not always be clear cut, but if we're measuring, we're able to speak to that to say, hey, 76% of my team has individual development plans. And I've checked in with them every other week for the last six months on how they feel connected. They're making progress. They're giving me updates on the actionables. And sometimes when people hear check-ins, they're saying, what? You're checking in every other week? Well, that's a five-minute conversation. That's deliberate though, to say, where are you with your plan? And then I'm going back and I'm keeping track of that to say, hey, 76%, just over three out of four have said they're working progress on the plan. They were able to give identifiable action items towards it. They're seeing their growth and development. We're talking about it. So I'm able to keep it in front of them. It is a priority for me as a leader. And this is the piece that so often isn't realized by organizations where they want to go top down and say, here, this is your goal because we need it to connect to our overall strategy versus these types of organizations where they're letting people create it. It usually does connect to the strategy because the people know what's going on. We're building the strategy of people first within our processes. Mm -hmm. And I see that when I'm talking to leaders, that whenever they're putting people first in those organizations, productivity is up, quality is up, output is up. So it goes hand in hand. Accountability is up as well. And that partnership is there and their accountability on both sides, where in sometimes larger organizations, employees are saying, leader, you have to do this for me. And it's not that they're not being accountable. It's that's what the structure has asked them to do. And in these smaller organizations that are startups, the accountability is also there. That leader is saying, hey, we're in this together. Let's talk about what that looks like. And so those employees are thinking from, oh, this is in my locus of control and I can do this. And that's such a huge thing. And I've seen that in the larger organizations that have that level of engagement, that level of community, that level of, of overall people first mentality. It's a shared accountability. Yeah, and because you mentioned accountability, that's actually a very good hint for me. 
to also share what we're sometimes doing with organizations and that's both in startups and also large organizations is we help them with accountability programs. So we come in and we do workshops with their team members so they can identify what is the goal that I want to reach. And those can be personal goals. Like how many hours do I want to work? Do I want to put my family and friends first? How do I go about that? Do I want to be more effective, efficient in my work? Or it could also include KPIs that they set together with their teams and together with their leaders. And then we support them in a six month process, match them up with others in the organization who they typically don't work with to get different insights and a new point of view and then help them and guide them along to reach those goals in six months. And we see that in the big organizations with thousands of team members, we break it down to smaller groups. It makes me think of employee resource groups, those groups within an organization that are often built from the bottom up. Are they a tool that we can use in community building and also in helping people feel seen and heard? Yes, great insight there. And it is one of those pieces that I've seen be an excellent resource for community, resource for engagement, for taking action as well. And it's interesting because so often you do, you see it come from the employees and knowing that, okay, the organization is going to support this. And there usually is some resources put aside, knowing that we are going to have some groups come forward that want to do things and we do want to support them, but it's it's usually led by them. Where I'm seeing a shift now happen because of focus on diversity, equity, inclusion, that belonging and the understanding that that goes much more than saying, oh, okay, we'll give you some resources. That's a part of the culture is now it is coming from a collaborative standpoint and you're seeing more action being taken across the board where it's proactive. And Uh, For instance, one area that I've had the opportunity to be a part of is serving in the Air Force. And I was talking to another veteran. She shared this happened to her where that resource there said, hey, we don't have an employee resource group around veterans. And we know we have a lot of veterans in the organization. And we also know that we're a resource for veterans in our community. Would you be interested? And this person said, oh my goodness, yes, I wasn't sure how to start. I had talked to some other veterans. In fact, we meet for coffee and they had built their own community organically, but then realizing they had this dedicated support and they had an executive level leader who was reaching out interested. And so there was excitement there and understanding we're not having to push. There's actually a pool and there's a collaboration in that. And these employee resource groups where they truly are so valuable, they're right there with the voice of every single employee. I'm seeing now more than ever, those employee resource groups have larger impacts in their organization and be connected to overall goals in the organization and be tied into strategy and the people involved feeling as though their voice is heard because it is being heard and a different type of engagement starting to come. They're newer, it's it's continuing to build momentum. So I'm excited to see where that goes in the next three to five years. And that feedback from those employee resource groups and seeing how many people actually engage, that helps us also understand and see, hey, what we're trying to do as an organization, it's working. Because yes, we mentioned some metrics earlier, but a lot is very intangible. A lot is based on feedback from our employees. A lot is based on tracking developments over a period of a year, two years, three years, five years down the road. There are no quick wins when we're building relationships and when we're building community. So it's oftentimes really hard for leadership to see that what they're doing 
has an impact. And like you mentioned earlier, we need to keep monitoring. We need to keep our finger on the pulse and see how things go. But with those employee resource groups, if we see that there is engagement from the bottom up, that's one of the indicators to tell us, yes, what we're doing is actually working for our people. So true. And, you know, to that point of the way people are engaging and just seeing, is that employee resource group growing? And who's coming out of it? I'm seeing leaders, people that maybe didn't think of themselves in that formal leadership role coming out of it and realizing, oh, you know, I can do this. And what's so great is they understand that person to person aspect and they understand the importance of the transparency. And then the celebration of those involved who maybe they joined the organization because they were interested in the organization, their purpose connected to the organization's purpose. But then that was elevated through this employee resource group that really is something that they already have a connection to, to say, I'm interested in that. Like I mentioned the veteran one. Does that excite me that I know, oh, these people, they have some shared experiences and how can we learn? And then seeing people start joining that say, hey, I'm not a veteran, but I have family members. Can I impact this? And you see then from there that people get excited. Oh, there's stuff coming out of these groups. And it's not just, I want to go to work. I want to show up, do my job, check the box and go home. But I want to make a significant impact. And at the end of the day, truly believe people do want to do that. We hear that term work-life balance, but I look at it as work-life alignment. They're a part. And who we are in the other areas of our life, we're still that at work as well. And these employee resource groups help connect that, help connect that community. And it is, to your point, a great metric too, to look at how is that group sustaining? What is coming out of it? Are they growing? Oh my goodness, look, we're having leaders come out of it as well. Some amazing pieces can really arise out of those. Let's say we're a leader and we do the best that we can to support our teams and then we still see that team members are leaving. A very important part is about how do we react to that situation? Somebody tells us, okay, this organization isn't right for me anymore at this time in my life. So for me, it's always a circular movement. I don't see an, a person leaving an organization as Chuck and now they're gone into the ether and never come back. For me, it's always an opportunity to still stay in touch with them and to later on maybe engage with them and work with them again at another level. So what can leadership do when they feel, okay, we've tried to do our best and now people are leaving? What is an approach that good leaders should take care? That is such a great question. And I appreciate the pieces that you brought forward there. And I'm of that mindset of remembering, first and foremost, we're all human beings. And so it's not defining someone by their title, by their job role, by the organization that they're a part of. That is where they're at at that point in time. But regardless of where they're at at any point in time, they're still a human being. And there's still someone that I want to connect with that I want to have an opportunity to hopefully have a, a partnership and an impact in their life in different ways. And this was something when I was in different leadership roles. And I remember my first director role and taking a team on where there was a struggle in trust and I wanted to build trust. And so I asked them and really being transparent and, and some of them, you know, they stepped in and, and tested that, that trust in the sense of saying, Hey, there are going to be times where you think about leaving this role. That is okay. That is a normal response. And lots of times it's because you're looking for something else or you're not getting something that you'd like to be getting. And so what I ask of you is when you start thinking that, come and talk with me. 
And what I promise you is I'm going to explore it with you. And there's not going to be judgment. There's not going to be me saying, oh, so you don't want to be a part of our team or you don't want to be a part of our organization. That's a problem. No, that's a that's a normal response. And so sharing with them that it could be usually three different things. One being that they're longing for something and there's an opportunity on our team that is on the horizon that they didn't know about. And I had that happen one time. I remember a team member coming and she said, I really want to do this type of work. And it was amazing, Simone, just the week before I had a conversation with an executive that said, hey, I want to start this type of work. We need it for this service line. And I've been talking with my team and we're ready. Do you have anyone that could help? And I thought, oh my goodness, this individual, she'd be perfect. And so she ended up staying with the organization because that's what she was looking for. She wanted to do that type of work. And that happened to work out in a perfect way. It doesn't always happen that way. But then the the next piece is maybe they are looking for something that isn't available on our team, that it's available though in the organization. And if they're sharing, I'm going to try and help and figure out who can I talk to? Who can I help? Because I'm an advocate for you. And then that third one is sometimes they're ready for that next step that isn't within the organization and they're going to go elsewhere. And I want to help them in that regard as well. And so sharing with them, how can I help? And I remember an individual coming and sharing, hey, my husband is retiring. The rest of our family is on the other side of the state. We're going to move there. And she was an outstanding team member, an outstanding employee within the organization. And so when I heard it, of course, my response was, oh, my goodness, you know, thinking in my head, but at the same time thinking, this is celebratory. Her husband is retiring. They're going to the other side of the, the state for family. And I knew some resources there. And she said, yes, could you reach out? And so I say that example there, because guess what? While she was not going to come back to that area, she knew people that were. And so she'd call up at times or she'd email me and say, hey, Jared, this is a great person. I noticed you had this position. I encourage you to talk with them. They've applied. And so it's more than sometimes we, we think about, okay, the boomerang of that person. I may look and say, oh, well, she's never coming back. But that connection. And then to your point, I've had people that have went on to different organizations. They've grown and developed, but they remembered the relationship. They remembered how they were treated. And they've come back to the organization in different roles. And they came back with that knowledge and that expertise that someone else invested in them, but they were able to bring back and invest in our organization. And so it's so important to remember, first and foremost, that's a human being. They're trying their best. Their best looks different from day to day. And how can we help them get to where they're wanting to go, they're wanting to engage, and not forget just because they're looking to move on, all the amazing things they've done when they were part of our team. And that also is a mindset that is a strategy, but a strategy with heart is what I like to call it. I love that. That really resonates with me. We're all human beings. As leaders, we need to help our people find their purpose and fulfill their purpose. And when we do that, they're going to remember those good parts, those supportive elements that we were providing to them. And they're going to become our brand ambassadors and they're going to root for us when we're not in the room. And that is just so impactful. As an organization, it's marketing out there for when we're not even actively trying to spread the word. Somebody else is doing that work for us and those people know us the best. So it's even more impactful than if we were trying to tell our story, if we were trying 
to recruit new people. If others do it for us that know us the best and understand us the best, it's much more impactful. So true. So true. And and just that impact of taking care of people and person to person at its core and what it can do and, and what can grow organically from that. You often talk about kindness opportunities, Jared. What's that and how do you go about developing or building kindness opportunities? That is such a huge piece for me, and I appreciate you bringing that up. It is one of those those pieces when when I talk about the term peaceful power leadership, which is a term that I brought forward in some of my work and some of the connection to some wonderful thought leaders. And I talk about how do we build others up? How do we invest in others? And at the core of it, it's through kindness opportunities, being deliberate and looking for where can I have an interaction with someone. And it may have a huge impact on them, or it may just be that moment that gets them through the day. But it is being deliberate in trying to spread that kindness, knowing that if we just, I mean, think about this, Simone, if we just said each and every person, I'm going to try and put 5% more kindness forward each day, what that could do in different communities and in different organizations. Because unfortunately, most people aren't deliberate when it comes to kindness. And that's such a big piece. When someone does do it, it's a surprise to people. And so I talk about how can you be deliberate in kindness? And it takes listening to others. It takes being in the moment with others. And from a leadership perspective, it involves getting to know your people. And I had an individual years ago who was a wonderful leader and they would write thank you cards to people. But I share this story sometimes because it's unique in that they took the time to be sincere and write thank you cards, which I love, but then they would give it to you and they give you their favorite candy bar because they kept a <laughs> stash of them in their desk drawers. And so yeah. it was not a candy bar that I enjoyed, nor did most of the team. And so we liked the thought, but I always share it to say, okay, this leader excellent on being sincere and specific in their thank you card. But take that a step further and find out, you know, does this person like candy? Is there something else that they like? How do you make it deliberate? And one of the biggest compliments I ever received as a leader was when an employee came to me and she said, Jared, I don't know how you do it, but you always know when I need to pick me up. And one thing that I do is I write out thank you cards and it's one of those pieces that not many people get that handwritten delivery in the mail anymore. And so I send it to their mail and some people love it. Some, you know, it's not as big for them, but I'm mindful of the ways that it is big for them. But for her, it was a big deal. And she said, each time I need that pick me up, I get a thank you card from you. And, you know, thank you so much for it. I don't know how you do it, but you know. And the reality, Simone, is sometimes I knew and sometimes it was just trying to create a kindness opportunity and then finding out later that she really needed it in that moment. And she didn't share. I was still doing check-ins and trying to find out. But when we take that opportunity, we never know the impact that it's going to have on someone. And so why not? But it does take being aware, being present, being mindful and saying, hey, can I take one step further here and help this person? And the reason why it's so important to me is because there have been some amazing people that have done that in my life when I needed it. And sometimes I've gotten to share it with them. Sometimes I haven't, but it truly makes a difference and it makes an impact in people's lives. And it's what builds community. I didn't realize it because it's become part of my core and being deliberate, 
but people remember those those things that to me it was oh that was that was a small thing but to that person they needed it during that experience and so we never know where that's going to go try to be deliberate try to be mindful and whether you hear the impact or not i guarantee you the impact's there continue it yeah so it's about being in tune, putting our people first, being very deliberate and how we're spreading support and our kindness opportunities. With that, Jared, I want to say thank you so much for being here today and for sharing your insights. Thank you, Simone. I really appreciate and appreciate the work that you're doing to build community as well. It's such a needed thing and creates such an impact for people. Thank you for listening to the Building Community Podcast. Is there a leader in your organization or network who needs to hear this? Please share this podcast with them. Help get the word out about the immense value of community. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave us a review. Until next time, help your communities thrive.